American Christianity seems to be so focused on the outward world. It's time we turn our focus back to the inner world, because it's in our minds and our hearts where everything begins. That's why we are Ministry of the Interior. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Ministry of the Interior. We've been on a bit of a hiatus, but we are glad to be back. Uh, Just a reminder, we are the Ministry of the Interior, where we try and look towards and focus on our inner selves and not worry about outside things. I'm here today with Mandy and Ricky. How are we doing, guys? Doing very well. Yeah, doing good. Yeah, Mandy and I, we have had quite the week battling sickness, battling other things. But you know what? We're here. uh, We're happy. We're blessed. All right. So uh, I'd I'd like to lead us into our first little section today. What we're going to talk about is, so where have you seen God this week? I'm going to ask Mandy first. So Mandy, you actually came up with this question. So I'm going to let you answer it first. Where have you seen God this week? Yeah. So. I don't know if you know this, Ricky, but we, me and Corey were uh, trying to build a house <laughs> out here. Um, and we've just, it feels like we've been hitting roadblock, roadblock after roadblock. And um, on what day was that? Tuesday, maybe? I was feeling so defeated and just shame. And um, that's, um, you know, I, I came home and I was crying to Corey and we we just had kind of a sad night. And then as I was laying down in bed, I always pray as I'm laying in bed, um, as I'm just kind of going to sleep. And I remembered, you know, this is not our house that we're trying to build. This is God's house. And this is not, God's not the author of shame and defeat. Um, and it, it just reminded me that God is in this. We're building this is God's house that we're building. He's the one that's going to be providing. It's not us that's providing for it. Um, and that's, that's really where I've seen God this week is just that reminder that he is for us and he's not the author of shame and, and guilt and defeat. And Ricky, same thing. Where, where have you seen God this week? Well, it's a, it's a continued prayer. Um, cause I think about what David said, Never he asked God to search his heart and examine his heart. And, um, you know, those are one of those type of prayers that you you want to draw close to God and he's drawn close to you. And whenever you do that, that light shines on some of those hidden and dark places. And I, I realize that I have trouble with forgiveness. And that's a huge thing because uh, Jesus said that if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. And um, so I'm I'm trying to work on that, and he um, he brought that to my attention. So that's uh, that's what I've I've seen this week. So I ask for continued prayers so that I can uh, continue to be who God has called me to be. Mm-hmm. All right, and, and my answer where where have I seen God this week? Uh, my my answer is going to be 
just in my own kids, it doesn't matter what kind of day I've gone through. It doesn't matter what kind of sickness I'm battling, uh, work issues I'm battling, it, any sort of issue I'm battling. When I when I come home and I, I see the love in those kids, uh, man, it just, it, it fills me up. And uh, it, it makes me realize that a lot of the stuff of this world really doesn't matter, um, but love does. And I'd also like to add, uh, I saw Amanda Nunez lose a UFC fight this weekend, and I didn't think that was possible. So I saw God this week because <laughs> that had to have been a God thing. <laughs> All right. So on a more serious note, um, Mandy, do you want to set the, the context? What are we reading today? The who, the what, the when, the where? Yeah. So today we're going to be in first Peter one, one through 12. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to kind of set the the context of who, who wrote this, who he was writing to, um, and what they were facing. Um, so it was this book. First Peter was written in a time that Christians were being, um, harshly persecuted, um, under Nero's reign. And Nero was actually the one that probably, ordered the execution of Peter who wrote this book and Paul um, and kind of a fun fact that I read is that one of the reasons that Rome hated Christianity so much is that because it was so inclusive that the gospel was for everyone, that it was for, for men, for women, um, for people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, like everyone was welcome in God's family and Rome didn't like that. Um, but the recipients of this letter were most likely persecuted Gentile Christians living in Asia Minor, which is um, near like modern day Turkey. This is a letter of encouragement to Christians that were suffering and they weren't having a, a cushy, nice life. They were being heavily persecuted. It's a letter of hope to focus on the eternal and remind them of the promise of the hope that we have in Jesus. So now I think Corey's going to read the text and then well, we're going to Ricky, do you have anything it. to add to the context or do you think that about covers it or? I mean, that covers it pretty well. The only thing that I'd add is, you know, in my studies, uh, particularly uh, in the ministerial studies, the church history class that I took, it really, it threw me for a loop uh, because, you know, modern day Christians, we always see, the persecution that the first century church went through as something it was it was demonic um, but if you take a look at some of the the contemporary texts of the historians during that time they thought christians were cannibals they thought christians were um you know traitors because they said jesus was king and not um caesar and they also thought Christians were incestuous because they called one another uh, brother and sisters. And that, that kind of had me, you know, sitting around quietly thinking for a long time about <laughs> my understanding. And, uh, you know, you did a wonderful job there giving us the context. I just put a little, put a little something there for, for my learning. All right. I think we set it up well. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get started. Uh, here we go. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit made you holy. As a result, 
you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with the great expectation and we have a price, priceless inheritance. Our inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Though your faith, I should have said. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward of trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. The salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about his gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their message were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. All right, Ricky, uh, the floor is yours. I'll let you break that down. We'll start back at the beginning. Uh, of course, Mandy, she gave us a good intro that um, Paul, uh, not Paul, Peter was writing uh, to the Christians in Asia Minor, which is modern day Turkey. Uh, and he emphasizes to them that they are God's chosen people. And, um, you know, sometimes we get we get a little caught up in our, our day to day and we seek after things, worldly things, and we forget that the creator of all that we see, this vast universe, has chosen us. And we are living in this world, even though I'm an American, my citizenship is in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And That's just, right. Go ahead. Oh, the, no, I just agreeing with you. That's right. <laughs> Um, you know, God's spirit has made us holy. Sometimes we we kind of get a little caught up on there's a a spirit that says, you know, I'm only human, which is obvious. And we do make mistakes and we do try not to make the same mistakes all the time. But God is telling us something totally different. His spirit has made you holy. His spirit had made us set apart and we can no longer use those things that we, those excuses that we use to continue on in, in behavior that is contrary to spirit life. And because we are made holy, we obey God and we are 
cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm going to move on a little bit further down in verse 3. And you guys jump in anytime something is popping out to you. Yeah, I just I I just wanted to point out in that in that first verse where it says we're chosen and living as exiles that really points us back to kind of like the Exodus times when um, the Israelites were living in exile. And this is written to the Gentiles, but this is just kind of a foreshadowing of the story that First Peter is going to go into a little bit more, just pointing back to in this new covenant and this new relationship with Jesus, we are. Um, we're in Abraham's family. We are part of the whole story. We're chosen, um, chosen by God. Um, and also in verse two, I find it interesting that you see the 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 Trinity, the three persons of of God are are there: God the Father, the Spirit, and Jesus. Um, all in verse two. I just always like to to see the the way that the the Godhead all works together. Wow. That is there. (laughs) (laughs) It's right there and amazing. You know, when when we think about these things, especially just right there in that first verse, just sitting and meditating on it, you kind of see how Peter just goes right in uh, to the next thing of this hope for eternal life. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when we meditate on these things, our response should be praise to the, our Father. Um, as, as Peter continues on, it is by his great mercy that we have been born again, that we have become a totally new creature because God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with a great expectation. Um, my great expectation isn't that new new job or... <laughs> Or, or some type of windfall in money, it is in this coming kingdom of Jesus Christ that we, and I wanted to kind of point something out. We are, you know, 21st century uh, Christians. Did I get that right? 21st century? Mm-hmm. I kind of get something. <laughs> I don't even know my age most of the time. <laughs> and that's not a lie. You know, this, the, the Mosaic law and the sacrificial law is something that, you know, in my earlier days in Christian walk, it was hard to grasp because we, we never practice anything like that. It is, in essence, foreign to us. Mm-hmm. And especially being Gentiles, because the Jews are God's chosen people. And we've been branched in. We've, we've become the grafted uh, branch and now we've become co-heirs with Jesus Christ. We have a priceless inheritance. So that 40 acres of land, I won't ain't got nothing on what God has. <laughs> Anything you guys like to add? I yeah, I mean, going back to that house thing, like we put so much hope in these earthly things, the you know, how much money is in the savings account, how much um, you know, it, it's money is like the big thing for me is the thing that I struggle with is the thing that I worry about the most. And all of that stuff is passing away. Everything around us is going to pass away. And this really points us back to the eternal 
the the version uh, that I read says our inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And I just I love I love those three words next to each other. Like it's it's not going anywhere. Like it's it's something that we have a uh, hope in that is not um, just a like a fluffy hope. It's a, it's a hope that we can trust in because it's, um, it's hope that is promised to us by a God who cannot break his promises. And this, here's a little thought exercise, just, just for grins, I should say. (laughs) What, what is, what is something that's priceless to you, Corey, uh, Corey and Mandy? Something that you would just consider priceless. Hmm. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is family. Yeah. <laughs> the first thing that came to I, mind was those, I was trying those to think of a kiddos. cooler answer than yeah. that. Um, <laughs> well, I'm thinking like Alex Ross first edition Spider Man. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I have to go dig through my records and find something good. <laughs> I mean, just just something that that you would hold that nobody could could mm-hmm. ever pay buy it from you. Mm-hmm. Something that you own. Yeah, you're right. I would sell my family, so I need to think. <laughs> okay, continue. Man, you're making me realize on, yeah. I do not have some rare exclusive stuff. I need to I need to expand. I just got this basic common stuff. What do you got? Oh, me? Oh, let's see. I mean, something priceless for me would be, you know, sitting in a hammock in the mountains somewhere, smelling the fresh air, uh, you, you know, just having a quiet moment. Mm-hmm. Be like a priceless moment, you know, something priceless for me. Yeah, you're speaking my language. <clears throat> but this... You know, I want I want to meditate more. I, I I really would like you know God just to just give me a glimpse of it, just a glimpse, just maybe even a peek. Like I'm looking through some of those eighty shades that had like the, uh, you know, the visors in it. Mm-hmm. Just a peek through the curtain. Um, for motivation for me to turn away from this wicked life and turn away from uh, some of the the fleshly things that continue to. To plague Christians, we still have to struggle with this. And it's hard not to get caught up in it. I think whenever it's, you know, opportunity costs and, you know, seeing value in things. Are you going to, just like with, with Esau, he took he took that, uh, that bowl of lentil soup. He didn't see the real value of, of what he had, that inheritance that he had. He gave it away. He sold mm-hmm. it, uh, some lentil soup. But we have something that is beyond the reach of change and decay. And through our faith, God is protecting us by his power until you receive the salvation. Now, that right there looks like uh, some real doctrinal stuff that you can get real deep into. Mm -hmm. Because some people like to argue, okay, at what point is a person saved? And... Just from my uh, little understanding, I'm not trying to say that this is the way that it is, 
but we we receive our salvation as it says in the scriptures at the re revelation of jesus christ uh, whenever he's coming to bring wrath upon this world we are being saved from the coming wrath of god that's exactly what john the baptist said who told you to is who told you how to escape the coming wrath and it's uh, re received this salvation, which is ready to be revealed. There it goes on the last day for all to see. I guess we, it's simple right there. Anybody want to add anything? You know, there's a lot of denominations that kind of fight over this thing. Over, you know, are you saved at the time you're baptized? Are you saved when and, and fill in the blank? Mm -hmm. it says it right here in the scripture i don't know i might be crazy which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see the kind of is pretty clear to me but hey you know some people like to debate and i like to debate too <laughs> yeah yeah i don't i don't know exactly i don't know exactly where i'm at with that you know, some of the the hardest things for Christians to deal with is just this huge gallery of different doctrines and different teachings. And we need to learn how to separate something that might be opinion from something that God is actually saying in, in his word. Mm -hmm. um, and so I can I continue to pray for wisdom. I encourage everyone to ask god for wisdom once a day and and how to deal with these things and how to deal with uh doctrine and, and how to be sober-minded anyone want to uh take the next two well, verses i'll go ahead court no i was just gonna say a lot of times i i just answer with i i don't know or i'm not sure <laughs> a lot of these things that can be debated on um now do i think it's it's good to debate on this yeah i think i think it's healthy to debate on those things um, but my go-to answer oftentimes is I, I'm not really sure I might lean this way or that way. Um, but on some of this stuff that different denominations disagree upon, sometimes I think it's okay to say, I'm, I'm not totally sure. I don't know. That's well put brother. Thank you. Well put. And, uh, and, uh, it definitely shows humility because a lot of people, um, you know they like to argue till they till they can't argue anymore mm -hmm. and keep going but uh what does it say knowledge puffs up but love builds up mm. yeah love that all Go right on. where where are we at here we in verse six all right yeah so something that kind of uh kind of ticks me off <laughs> is language. Um, the language yes um is uh you know christians these days that have this like persecution complex like um especially in covid times you know we we couldn't gather we're being persecuted um everything is persecution to to christians these days and like i just want to point out that these christians were um, I, I read something that said Nero would light Christians on fire to be like lanterns at his parties. 
like that, that is persecution. Some of the things that are going on overseas in other countries where it's illegal to be a Christian, that's persecution. Um, and that is what these Christians were facing. And the, the church was growing like crazy during this persecution. Yes. And it's, uh, it's like that in, in many other parts of the world as mm -hmm. well. Uh, you know, I, I talk about my time as a missionary in China. And the missionaries that we replaced, they did not get their contract renewed because they refused to stop having Bible studies in their home. So they left the country. Um, there's Christians over there that are being bulldozed to death. I mean, that's that's real persecution. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just because somebody's like, oh, you, you're a Christian. Uh, I don't deal with none of that. You know, that's that is a, that is a form of uh, discrimination, but not outright persecution where your life is at stake because of your faith. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm down here in the Bible belt where it's more rare for you not to be, not to claim to be a Christian. And so it, it is kind of always ironic when I, I, I see, um, us Bible belt Christians claiming like loads and loads of persecution when it's like, I, I, I know where you're growing up. I know where you live. Uh, yeah. I think that, that that's just discomfort. <laughs> that's not persecution. Yeah. It's, um, it's someone being di discriminatory. Uh, you are uncomfortable there, but you, you, you get to go home and, and still enjoy the creature comforts. You're not in prison or, or anything right. like that for your faith. And these Christians in Asia Minor were going through horrible things, you know, being lanterns for uh, Nero and Paul, uh, Peter. Excuse me. I'm getting these two mixed up now. <laughs> I remember what happened to Paul in Ephesus where he was stoned. Whenever he cast out that uh, the demon in that young girl, mm -hmm. and um, the silversmith was was losing his monies, so they took him out and stoned him. And of course, uh, the Lord strengthened him and and got him back up, and he went back in there and and went to preaching. Went back into the city with the people that just stoned him. It's crazy. And these these Christians here going through that and. Peter says, be truly glad, not, not, not faking it till you make it. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. And hmm. I'm thinking about the parable Jesus talked about of the sower of the seed, some that landed on the beaten path, some that landed in the shallow soil, some that landed on the rocky soil, and some that landed in the fertile soil. And we really don't get a chance to experience God unless we go through those trials, because it's, it's during those trials that we we see him work. I'm sure with, with what y'all are dealing with, with your, your housing situation and I'm dealing with a lot of things, uh, you know, right now with this governor's race, uh, 
and then some other things. Sometimes trials are not as severe. Sometimes they're they're different. They try to reveal what's inside of us. Mm-hmm. We might get into a conflict with someone, and we you know have an angry outburst. Um, that reveals in us that maybe we need to deal with an anger issue, and we need to be congruent with what God tells us to do. So that shows that a person has a genuine faith. Hey. I really have a problem with anger. Maybe I need to deal with this. God, I need you to help me to deal with it. And yeah, then, nothing nothing really proves our character unless it's tested. In the easy times, it's, you know, it doesn't show who we really are, but it's in the fire and the trials that our character really shows and that it's really tested. I used to share this with uh, some of the inmates in the, the re-entry program that we had i would i would just tell them a little story about the the japanese sword maker or anybody that's involved in metal work you know you put that that piece of metal in the fire they pull it out and they beat on it dump it in the cold water they do it over and over again they fold that metal until at the end of that whole process they have one of the most beautiful swords that can be made that's very expensive. That's something some people would consider priceless. There you go, priceless. <laughs> and God is doing that with us. If you want a pure gold, you don't just leave the ore in there. You have to put it in the fire to burn off that impurity. These trials, are, they're burning off these impurities that we have within us. So we, we need to look toward that as a good thing. So basically, I'm starting off as a, a little pocket knife, but I'm I'm gonna be turned into a katana. You're gonna a priceless be- katana. Katana, man. You're gonna be. A- That's what I'm gonna be. It's good. You're gonna be a katana. <laughs> All right. This next, uh, the next two verses make me cry every time I read them. I just think they're so beautiful. Is Peter walked with Christ. Peter traveled so much with Jesus, saw um, every facet of his personality and his just natural expression. He saw the miracles. He saw him die on the cross. He saw him after he was raised. So of course, Peter loves him. Of course, Peter knows him and believes him. Um, But this next verse, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And I love that because it's written to to these people in this place. They didn't know Jesus. They didn't see him, but still they loved him. And it's written to us today. We haven't seen Jesus. We, we didn't know Jesus in his earthly form, but we still love him. We still trust him and believe in him. And I just find that so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, just thinking about it from my own self, um, it's almost like you can't put it into words. Um, Just following Jesus. Um, I mean, from the world's point of view, and and I'm sure y'all have heard people put um, our faith in, in, in some 
not so respectful terms. Uh, you know, we we believe in this, and I don't even want to utter it. Uh, this invisible blank, you know, mm-hmm. in the blank. Um, but you know, this is this is not just something that we made up. There's so many people in the world. There's so many different religions. There, there's some type of spiritual component to all of us. And even though there are many religions, there's only one way. There's only one way. There's only one way to be truly saved. And that's trusting that Jesus is going to save us, that we believe that he is the all-atoning sacrifice. And uh, in some of these uh, following Mm -hmm. verses, whenever we get closer to 12, Mm -hmm. I, I want to share some of the things that I've, I've been studying. Hopefully it won't be too long-winded. <laughs> go for it. All right, yeah, let's go there. Okay. Now he talks about the prophets. They were talking about Jesus. They didn't even know what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's talk about persecution. Those prophets were persecuted by the people of God. Yes. Isaiah was sawed in half, I believe. I don't, I don't know what happened to Ezekiel. I think every major prophet was was killed by the Israelites. That is beyond sad, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's beyond mm-hmm. sad. Oh, well, I guess I feel like we need to go back to Kings and Chronicles. Now this 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 thing that I've been studying here recently, it's it's from a pastor. He's an eschatologist, mm-hmm. and I I guess I could consider I would consider myself immature, but I spend a lot of time studying eschatology. And it it goes on to say here in verse twelve, they were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news. What is the good news? that man and God can now be brought back together again. Mm-hmm. That has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Now I brought up, I brought up this pastor. I hope that I am uh, saying his channel's name right. It's, I think it's DBTM. He's eschatologist, and he he talks a lot about uh, you know angels and a lot of things going on in Revelation and Daniel. And he talked about uh, Lucifer, the shining one, and that his job was to stand above the throne of God and spread his wings and reflect that glory that was coming from God to everyone else. He was reflecting that glory until. He started believing that it was his instead of God. Mm-hmm. And that there are some other angels that were allied with him that were extremely dangerous. Some of them are chained and locked up in a dungeon of pitch black darkness, chained that they, they are that bad. And I got to thinking, why would the angels be so interested in this? Why would they be interested? Well, for them, for their perspective, they've always been face to face with the Almighty. And whenever they made a mistake, uh, you know, rebelling against God, we have, as humans have rebelled against God as well in that same spirit. 
of wanting to be God. They were immediately punished. And so for human beings, we are definitely lower than the angels. Of this preacher, he was talking about, um, you know, the death angel that killed the firstborn uh, child and killed mm -hmm. the, the firstborn of, of all the cattle in Egypt. And he was going on saying that there's no technology that we have today that could do that. Nothing, nothing that we have that could, that could identify the firstborn human and firstborn animal. Mm -hmm. These are very powerful beings that God has, has locked away. And this grace that we have extended to us, we have rebelled just there in the garden of, what is it? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. I've heard some other ministers mm -hmm. describe it in this way. And so these, these little bitty beings, humans, us, rebel against God, but he has shown them grace and kindness. And also, he has made us co-heirs with Jesus Christ. In Paul's writing, it said that we, we've been crucified, we were buried with him, we were raised with him, and we've been seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So for the angel's perspective, that is something that is peculiar. Yeah, the version I read says uh, angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. That's amazing. Yeah, this thing that this thing that God did that he accomplished through Jesus Christ, angels long to catch a glimpse of that salvation, of that story, of that redemption of us becoming co-heirs with Christ. The one thing that I really like about eschatology is that it it gives us something to, to look at and to focus on because of all these distractions. And we're taught to we're told to fix our eyes on Jesus. Mm-hmm. And how many times a day am I thinking about my inheritance? How many times a day am I thinking about heavenly things? How many times a day am I consciously making an effort to let the spirit rule in my life rather than come up with some excuses and, and quench the spirit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is something to think on and meditate on. And before we move on, can you tell the listeners what eschatology is? Eschatology is the study of, of the end times. That's essentially what it is. All right. Is there anything else you want to say about this text before we start wrapping up? Well... Uh, one of the most important things is what does what is what is this text telling us about God, Mandy? Yeah. the The thing that really stands out to me is that we've we have a living hope. That we've we've said this we've said this already, but we can rest in what God has done for us and what He's prepared for us. 
it's really the only thing that's certain in our lives is, is God. That is the only thing that's certain. The world can pass away. Anything in this world can pass away. Our fleshly desires, our, our stuff, our jobs, our families even can pass away. But the only thing that we can stand on and be certain in is God. And that, that's what I see in this, in this section of scripture. Our living hope, our inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. What a good God we have. Amen. So see, go ahead. I see I see a God using his servant to do what what we all should be doing is continually to encourage one another mm-hmm. on what what really matters. Even no matter what we go through it's going to get better. Even if we die. Even if uh, whatever trial we may be facing, uh, we lose this tent, but we have something far more valuable, far more valuable. That's good. My next question was going to be, uh, so what now after reading this, what, what, what should we take from this text? What should we take from our discussion today? What should we go out to the world and do with it. But uh, I, I think you covered it pretty well, unless there's anything else either one of y'all would like to add to that. What do we do now? Yeah, I love what you said, Ricky, about, I mean, that this is Peter's goal was to encourage people who were struggling on what to focus on, on what's important. And I think, I mean, this this week when, when the, the house thing happened, I was talking to one of my friends, but then I, I was just like telling her how I was feeling and what I was discovering. And then I was almost preaching to myself the truth and what I know is true and encouraging myself by, you know, scripture that's just hidden in my heart that comes out in those times. Um, and so, yeah, I think I love what you said about encouraging others. So when we see friends that, um, that are walking through trials, encouraging them to look up, to, to know that we have, you know, this trial can pass away. All of this stuff is earthly, but we have a hope, a living hope um, that we can fix our eyes on and know that that that's where we're headed. Amen. So I'll be glad. Let's be truly glad and be joyful. Yes. Well, I think that's a great spot to end right there. Let's be truly glad. I'm truly glad that I get to talk to you guys. I love you guys. Um, and I hope everyone joins us next time. Bye. Yeah. <laughs>